blocked by perfection. So many writers find they can't complete their work, that it has to be perfect before it can be shared. If that rings a bell for you, meet Nancy Boudelier. That's what creativity is about. There's ways in which you get to kind of control certain things, but then there's ways you let go. Nancy offers a way to break through that kind of writer's block and shares tips for anyone who wants to tap into the creative flow. When you're trusting in the creative process, you're recognizing there's value in something in progress. I'm May Lily Lee, and you're listening to American Spark. Nancy, you've really opened up the creative flow for people by giving some guidelines as to how people can get in it. Absolutely. I just love how you extend this beyond a simple classroom exercise. You're bringing this to our daily lives. I think that creativity is that thing that reminds us of our aliveness. It's a version of mindfulness. It invites a kind of intentionality if you're creating something. It doesn't generally just happen. And it could be that you just have something in you that you need to express. So you find creative ways for that to come out. So the idea that you can say, I'm going to sort of just make this part of my daily life. And when you're trusting in the creative process, you're recognizing there's value in something in progress and you have a hope it's going to progress. You expect it to progress. That's the plan. It needs more. And I think if that's your attitude toward your work, you get to bring that same attitude toward your relationships to people who are also works in progress, who also it's worth having hope for who they'll become and giving them room to become something and giving them room to become somebody or someone that you don't control. And that's what creativity is about. There's ways in which you get to kind of control certain things, but then there's ways you let go. Of course, in addition to being a published poet, you are a teacher in all its incarnations. Right. Currently, you're teaching high school students, and I love the way that you let them check in with a work in progress. Tell us about your system. Oh, absolutely. Well, when we are doing a workshop, I'm very intentional because they don't know what to expect. They're going to trade papers. And first of all, that's scary. They, some of them want to just hand it to me. They want me to be their filter. They want me to be their personal like button. Just tell me it's okay. Give me a thumbs up. And by the end of the class, they say, your class is really fun because we just talk to each other, which, of course, that's not just what they do. But when they share their work, I remind them that they're having the privilege of early access to something. I love that phrase, early access, yeah, right? Beautiful? You don't have to hand in something finished, polished, or perfect. None of that. Let's have a look at where you are now. Right. It actually builds in the notion and the expectation that it will be revised, that there's work to be done on it. So it lowers the stakes for everybody. So I try to create that safety. So that's the thing. And then the other thing is... It says, now thank your partner. <laughs> it tells him right there. As a reader, it's such a gift, right? So you thank the writer for letting you see this, for trusting you with this in-progress work. And the flip side is, as the creator, as the writer, there's a gratitude that's merited toward your reader. It's thank you for your attention. Thank you for your care. Thank you for your interest in what I have to say and what I might do with this and whatever feedback you can give. Do you know how good that makes me feel to imagine high school students being able to use this method of sharing with one another to really make the point to say, thank you for giving me early access. Right. I'm always trying to encourage them to meet new poets. <laughs> and by meet, I mean read them. So on my wall, I have the poem by Marge Piercy, and we always read it at the start of a, almost every class I teach, called The Art of Blessing the Day. And that poem ends with a beautiful stanza that begins, attention is love, 
we give. I just love that. And I'll leave it to listeners and to you to go find that poem on your own. And the whole poem is beautiful. You pull from Jane Kenyon some really great tips on how we might tap into our creative flow. Absolutely. Jane Kenyon is a poet I've long admired. It's from a ways back. You'll know that from the way she references technology. She died in 1995. And she has a great book called Otherwise, which I always recommend and pass on those poems. But she said, be a good steward of your gifts. Now, obviously, I want my students hanging on to that. And I, I like to have them list what are the gifts? What are the gifts that you want to be a good steward to? This whole quote is about attitude and actions. Be good. Be a good steward. It's about gentleness, good books. This is not about perfection. It's about there's a goodness to this living a good life. But it's also actions. Protect, feed, avoid, read. Protect your time. Feed your inner life. Avoid too much noise. We have really noisy lives. Absolutely. Of the interruptions of Twitter and Facebook and checking your texts. The world is a noisy place right now. (laughs) Exactly. And they forget. And the next line is, read good books. I love asking students, who are you reading these days? You know, share with me the authors you like. Read good books. Have good sentences in your head. I try to get them to think about the fact that if you believe the idea that you are what you eat, And we we talk about that a lot at our school. There's a lot of farm-to-table kinds of movements the kids are aware of. Well, so what are you feeding your writer? Are you feeding your writer just Instagram and Snapchat? What's your diet? And I actually ask them to sometimes keep a diet, a log, the way people keep nutrition diets of what did they eat this week. I ask them to do a week where they write down, what have you read this week? What did you take in? Or I suppose if you're a songwriter, what's... On what are you listening to? It's the same. You could pick your, your art form there. This next one is, is really important. Be by yourself yeah. as often as you can. And whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, oh, well, I'm by myself a lot, playing Xbox. Yeah, right. So you have to be mindful in that alone time. Or try to be. I actually think of my creative habit as my mindfulness. I used to talk about poetry as prayer because I was putting into words my deepest wishes, fears, dreams, all of that. If those are the words that I'm putting on the paper, I suppose I could just easily put them up into the air. If you're a photographer, I would assume you start seeing the world in little rectangular boxes or whatever the frame is. And as a poet, trying to make connections between two things that aren't automatically alike. It's easy to compare a pine tree to an oak tree. But um, if I see a pine tree and it makes me feel uh, itchy, you go, wow, how come? You just have to start to think about why would that be? Or how are you feeling today? Oh, I feel mango. Mango? What do you mean mango? Yeah, I feel like mango. Well, all of a sudden, the, the listener has to read in and try to think, what does that mean? The uh, easy similes, the kind of cliches are, you know, she runs like a cheetah. Okay, cheetahs are fast. We know that's the fastness that matters, not the spotted and four-legged and with a tail. That's nobody saying she runs like that, she runs fast. So I love stretching the metaphor. Writing is about making those connections of things that aren't ordinarily put together. So anyway. And and where does this fall in with being by yourself as often as you can? Because nothing is interpreting it for you. We have so many filters. Got it. Try to block out those outside influences that might lead you toward something that's already been done, 
already been said, right? Right. Give yourself right. some alone time to think about what your voice is telling you. Right. Okay. And you're it. likely in a draft to have a cliche. I'm so hungry I could. Put in I like cliche. to say I'm so hungry I could ride a horse. There you go. It, whatever you're going to say. Then once you say, like, has anybody said that? But what, what can I do else with that? So it's just, I call them placeholders. Yeah. I tell, because there's no bad words, but what could you do to improve on that idea Wonderful. or make it fresh? Absolutely. You know? And of course, the next one after be by yourself as often as you can is walk. Walk. <sighs> And obviously, we know what exercise can do for endorphins, and I actually think that helps creativity. So slowing down changes what we see. And so it's both a physical act, but I think it's another act of attentiveness that is allowed. There's a new book out called, uh, I think it's called Slow Writing. People are sort of recognizing that this doesn't happen fast, which makes teaching writing in a school setting really hard. You're up against grades. Sometimes when I'm grading, I'm thinking, when I'm grading, I'm not teaching. Uh, the second thing is that we have deadlines. We have semesters. We have this is due, this is due, this is due. I know as a writer I could have deadlines, but I have a lot more control over those deadlines, deciding when something is finished, and students don't always get that chance. And I, I try to both instill that and give them some practice to see the value of that. But those are definitely structural things that get in the way of risk-taking and creativity. Nancy, I love this next one. Of course, written by Jane Kenyon in her time, right? right Take right. the phone off, off the, hook. the hook. I love it. We yeah. don't have phones on hooks anymore, but oh, how true it is. If you could, if you are concerned about grades, if you want to improve your writing, if you want to improve what you're doing that you say you care about, cut down on your cell phone use. And here are the studies about attention, about this and about that, and about the anxiety around even having the phone around. Nancy, will you read for us a poem from your book of poems on the eighth day Adam slept alone? I'd love to. The final poem is sort of maybe serves as a benediction. I don't know. It's called Dressed to Live. Today is my newest garment. Let me put it on with ceremony. Let me step into the day as if to bathe in the passing hours. Let me tuck in the loose ends with precision. Today is my newest garment. Let me wear it as if it will hold my head high, as if it can carry me on its shoulders, as if it will protect me from the howl. Today is my newest garment. Let me fill my pockets. Let them bulge with riches. Light on the wide sidewalk. Kind words from a stranger. Things perched. Newly born. Carefully placed. Aging gracefully. Today is my newest garment. At night, let me disrobe, grateful and whole, knowing that tomorrow I will dress again. Nancy is a poet and educator who's taught at Oberlin College, Phillips Academy, and is currently at Concord Academy in Massachusetts. I'm Maylily Lee, and you're listening to American Spark.